0: Well, hey, good morning. Welcome to King's Church. If you're new, my name is Dylan. So honored that you would spend your morning with us. And if you're wondering, you know, what is King's Church all about? Well, we are a new church in Kansas City, and actually we haven't had our first online or in-person service yet. So mark your calendars. That happens on Easter Sunday. And what we're doing the next few months leading up to that is we're building a team of people who say, man, I want my life to count. Like, I want to make a difference with my life, and I want to help start this church. And so If that's you, if you're leaning in, going, man, I might want to be a part of helping start King's Church, let your hosts know, let me know. We would love to connect with you and help you get involved. What we're doing is we're building a team. We're also getting our space ready. So we're getting things ready for online services to do that excellent and well. This is kind of the first phase of that. And then we're also getting our building ready. If you don't know, we were given a building in Lee Summit, which is amazing that a church would be so generous to give that to us. And we feel we need to steward that opportunity well so we're painting and remodeling and repurposing spaces and giving the parking lot of facelift and landscape i mean signage everything and uh, we have some money set aside given to us from a family of churches we're a part of called confluence to help us launch king's church well but i want to talk to you about as you consider how do you partner financially with king's church in 2021 what does that look like practically and just in terms of where does that money go. I don't talk about money often, but I just want to give a little space to this as we're kicking this year off. And first of all, I would just say invite God into that conversation. And I want you to know we're using every dollar the best we possibly can to do as much ministry as possible. So those of you who gave in 2020, you made it possible just through your general tithes and offerings for us to give $3,000 during the most intense part of the pandemic to help feed families in need and provide hygiene kits to families and children who literally couldn't provide like basic essentials to get through their week. You made that possible. You also made it possible for us to give over $9,000 to help start other churches throughout America. I mean, we're a brand new church plant. Like we are receiving help from others and we were still able to give over $9,000 this year. So well done with that. You also made it possible for us to do all the little ministry things throughout the week. Like blessing families and welcoming new people, and even just this last couple weeks, like we took a gift basket to the teachers and faculty and staff at the school right next to our building just to say, we love you, we're with you, We're, we're in this thing together through COVID, and anything we can do for you, we are here. So you've made so much ministry possible this year, keeping the lights on, all of that just through your general Giving, and as you consider 2021, like how do I partner financially with this church and how do I make the biggest impact in that? There are really three buckets you can give into. You can give, give into the general fund, which is general tithes and offerings, all the general ministry I just talked about, keeping things going. You can also give into the benevolence fund, which is how we help those in our community and those outside of our community who are in need. So people who, like, they have to pay their light bill and they just lost their job or they're hitting hard times. We can step in in those moments and serve them and love them in that way. The third fund you can give to is called Launch King's Church. It was called Vision 2020 in 2020, and then 2020 is over. So now it's Launch King's Church. And what that is, is that adds dollars to the fund that we have to start well so all the equipment needing kids equipment avl equipment paint colors landscape it allows us to start as best we possibly can so i would just ask you as you're considering your year financially would you consider what god would have you give to this family and if you have a spouse maybe sit down with your spouse and pray and so just ask God separately, God, what would you have us to give? I know for Rebecca and I, this has been a great joy in our life. Like there's probably nothing that gives us more joy and sets a trajectory for growth in our walk with God. Like when we sit down together and say, God, how would you have us give to your kingdom this year? How would you have us give to see this church make the biggest impact in our city? And when we do that, we, our faith is always stretched, but God always provides miraculous ways. So I'd invite you into that as well. I just want to say, finishing that little section about giving, that I'm not saying this because we're hurting financially. I know that's always the the thought like, oh man, they must really need money. And I just want you to know that's not the case at all. There's faithful, generous people in King's Church. I'm saying this because I believe that God has more for our church, and He has more for your life, and our vision is bigger. Like, we want to grow into more, not less. So that's why I'm inviting you into this. Okay, with all that, the next few weeks, actually the next nine weeks, I'm jumping into a series called This, In This House. In this house. And we're just going nine weeks, nine values of King's Church. And this first one is that we want to be a church where Jesus is our message. In this house, Jesus is our message. And people ask me all the time, what kind of a church is King's Church? And there's all these things that come into my mind like, man, we're going to be a community church where we are one big family. And another thing would be like, man, we're a Bible church. We are teaching the Bible, it's our authority, we're not the authority. Maybe we're a charismatic church. Like, man, we believe in the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit and singing and dancing and we're an exuberant, enthusiastic people about what God has done. Or we're a contemporary church. Like, man, we've got worship bands and music and we're making it happen. And, or we're a young church or an old church or a black church or a white church or a multi-ethnic church or multi-generational church. Like, yes, that's what we want to be. But more than any of those things, what is in our heart to be and what we feel God has called us to be and what we see in the scriptures is to be a gospel-centered church church. That word gospel, it simply means good news. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the good news of Jesus Christ. More than anything else, we want to be known for being a church that thinks about and talks about and lives in the good of and puts on display the gospel of Jesus Christ. The apostle Paul, leader in the first century church, he wrote much of the New Testament. He said this about the gospel. If you want to turn there with me, I'm in 1 Corinthians 15 chapters chapter 15 verses 1 through 5. He said, "Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain," For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. That He was buried and that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. And that He appeared to Cephas and then the Twelve. First Corinthians 15, 1 through 5 is where I found that. Notice this. Paul says, I preached the gospel to you, and now I'm reminding you of it. I, I preached this to you. It's the way you got into the Christian life. But listen, I'm going to keep bringing it back and bringing it back and bringing it back. Like this is the most important thing I'll ever say to you, if you can imagine it like this, I I tell my daughter every night before she goes to bed, I say, sweetie, I love you. You're precious. God loves you. I'm going to tell her that every day of her life if I can. Now, imagine if she was born and I said, Summer Grace, I love you. God loves you. And then I never told her again. I don't think she'd be very assured of my love. The way she's assured of my love is I'm going to tell her and tell her and tell her and show her and show her and show her. That's how Paul is with the church. He's like, You need to be hearing the gospel every single day. So I'm reminding you of this gospel that I preach to you. I heard one pastor say, the gospels are not the ABCs of the Christian life. They're the A to Z of the Christian life. The gospel is the A to Z. Another way to say it is the gospel is not just the front door that gets you into the house. No, the gospel is the whole house. It's the way, it's not just a ticket to heaven. It's the way we walk with Jesus. What specifically? She may say, Dylan, that's great. Man, I want to know the gospel. What specifically is the gospel? I remember I was new to church and people kept saying gospel and Christ. And I was like, what do all these words mean? Just someone explain them to me. And so generally, the gospel is the good news of Jesus. Generally, the gospel is the whole story of the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, it's the story of God's salvation of His people. That is the gospel specifically. What do I do when my coworker or cousin or your kids want to know who Jesus is? You want to tell them about Christ? What do you tell them? Well, verse 3 lines it out for us. Verse 3 says that Jesus died according to the Scriptures, that He was buried according to the Scriptures. And then on the third day, He rose according to the Scriptures. If you want to tell someone what the gospel is, tell them this. Hey, man, you've fallen short. Like You have sinned, and you are separated from God. But God, in His love for you, sent His Son to die on the cross in your place for your sins. And Jesus died, literally died. He was buried in a grave. And three days later, he literally rose from the dead to give you life forevermore. He has conquered the grave. And if you believe in him, you can be forgiven of your sins and you can have a life with God. All of this, God said, would happen beforehand. Well, there are actually well over 300 Jewish prophecies about the Messiah or the Savior who would come guess what? Jesus fulfilled every single one of them. So when you're telling someone what what the gospel is, you're trying to share Jesus with someone, simply tell them, Jesus died for you. Jesus was buried and Jesus rose from the dead. And you can have life in his name if you surrender all that you have to him. That's what the gospel is. Let me tell you what the gospel does. Romans chapter 1 verse 16, Paul says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. So, what does the gospel do? Well, it is God's power for salvation to everyone who believes. Let, let me just have a little fun with you here. I know you're on your couch, or you're with your spouse, or you're with your roommate, maybe you're with your cat. Why don't you just look at that person or that animal and say God's power? Say it like a Pentecostal preacher. Say, say, get your preacher voice on in your house right now and say God's power. Say it to the person or look at your kitty cat. Your cat might run away, but let them know God's power is in the gospel. I have the cutest kids in the world and they want to do everything themselves. They're two and a half and four. They're like in the independent stage. And often I'll say, let me help you with that. Like something that I know they can't do on their own. Like when we were putting the star on the family Christmas tree. Like both kids wanted to put the star up on the tree Neither kid is big enough to put the star on the tree, but they, they try to climb on the couch. They try to make it happen. I'm like, can Daddy help you? No, 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 I want to do it myself. That's what I always do with my kids. And then eventually they hit this breaking point where they're like, Dad, can you help me? Dad, will you put me up to put the star on the tree? And so, you know, I put one kid up, they put the star on, then I take the star back off, put the other kid up, they put the star on. <laughs> but there's this moment where they realize that on their own, it's impossible. But with my help, I can make things possible for them that would have otherwise been impossible. Let me just say this. There are coworkers, family members, friends, neighbors, that you look at them and you think, it is impossible that they would ever know God. Like it's impossible that they would ever come into a life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, with you it is. It's impossible for you to ever get them there. But God says he's given us something that has power to make what's impossible possible. God's power to save them is found in the gospel and he loves to make the impossible possible through us he has given us a message that we can communicate that makes the impossible possible so as you're thinking about 2021 like where's the trajectory of this year can I just put in front of you God has people that he wants to save through you this year and it may be just as simple as loving them and praying for them and sharing the gospel with them the gospel is the power is the key to unlock God's power in people's lives. I heard heard one preacher say it this way. He said, we often think that God prepares the person and then we tell them. Like, I just got to wait for that person who's like, hey, tell me about Jesus, which that rarely ever happens. Sometimes it does, but it rarely ever happens. We're not waiting for people who are ready. The gospel makes people who aren't ready, ready. So think of it this way. In Western farming, we often till the ground and then we sow the seed. In God's economy or God's farming, when we're talking about the gospel, what happens is the ground is hard. Someone's heart may be hard. And we sow the seed. And God prepares the soil with the seed. The seed makes them ready. The gospel makes them ready. The gospel saves everyone. Say everyone. It saves everyone who believes it. It, Whether it's your cousin who's throwing their life away or your coworker that couldn't be more anti-Christian or the neighbor that has the skulls hanging on their front porch, or friends who think they're a good person and they don't need a Savior. The gospel is God's power to save every single one of them. Friends, as we plant King's Church, I want you to know Jesus is our message. The thing that's always going to be on our lips is, man, God's goodness in Jesus through the gospel. I want you to know, parents, the gospel is God's power to save your kids, Not your perfect parenting, although you may be an amazing parent. Your perfect parenting is not God's power to save your kids. You can be the most amazing parent, and if your kids don't know Jesus, they won't be saved. And you can be the worst parent, and your kids may end up knowing Jesus, and they will be saved. The the one thing you can do to spare your kids from God's wrath in their life and in the life to come is not whether you homeschool or public school. It's not whether you breastfeed or bottle feed. It's not whether you let them cry through the night or you let them co-sleep with you. It's not all those things. The the number one thing you can do to spare your kids from God's wrath and to see them come into a life-giving relationship with Jesus is simply this. Be someone who tells them the gospel and who lives the gospel and who loves the gospel. Let it so fill your heart and life that it's not just something on your lips, but it's something that they see in your life. What else does the gospel do? The gospel prepares humanity for the return of Jesus. Matthew 24:14 and the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Listen, Jesus won't return until everyone, every tribe, tongue, people, and nation has heard the gospel. And if that doesn't motivate you to tell people, like I don't know what will Like if 2020 hasn't been enough to wake us up to like, man, the world we live in is broken and hurting and in need of a savior. And I am longing for the day that there's no more evil or injustice or pain or sickness or disease or death. That day is a promise from Jesus. Like when he comes back, he is creating that world. But he will not return until everyone has heard the gospel. So what can we do to usher in that reality into our lives we can tell as many people as possible about Jesus and help other people to tell as many people as possible about Jesus Colossians 1 verse 5 says the gospel empowers the rapid spread and growth of Christianity so how has Christianity become the largest faith movement in the world where the epicenter is not America or the e but the epicenter man India and Africa and China all these places just rapid growth of Christianity how does that happen well, it's what Paul said in Colossians 1, 5 to 6. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it's bearing fruit and increasing, as it does also among you. The gospel has power everywhere it goes to bear fruit and increase. And the grace of God in truth in the gospel. More than vision or resource or even manpower, the source of God's power to accomplish the vision of Jesus in Kansas City and throughout the world is simply the gospel. The source of God's power in your life, in your marriage, your parenting, your business is the gospel. The gospel which leads us into a relationship with Jesus Christ where we can receive the power of the Holy Spirit to live the life that he's called us to. So I want to just get real practical here. These are short little messages just to kind of talk about the heartbeat of King's Church as we seek to build this community. A few things practically you can do. To build a gospel-centered life and for us to build a gospel-centered church number one receive the gospel religion won't cut it morality won't cut it church won't cut it you can help us start king's church and be so generous and servant-hearted and sacrificial and all the things but if you don't believe in jesus christ to forgive you and to give you a new life with him you will not be saved salvation is only a gift that can be received when we receive the gospel. If you've not received the gospel, if you've not confessed Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, my greatest invitation to you today is to take that step to say, Jesus, I want you to forgive my sins. I believe that you are God's son. I believe that you died for my sins. I believe that you rose from the dead and I need you to save me. I want to make that invitation you did. It is the greatest invitation myself or anyone else could ever give you to receive the gospel. And, and this is a humbling thing to do because it means you have to admit that you are a sinner and that without God, you would be hopeless and helpless. That Jesus' death on, death on the cross was for your sins and your sins are grievous enough to merit Jesus dying for them. That you're not a good person who needs to pick me up, but you are a sinner in need of a savior. And if you will take the step today to humble yourself and trust in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ for your forgiveness forgiveness, And your life. If you surrender all that you are to Him and receive the gospel, you will receive eternal life and you will receive God's Spirit into your life to where you can follow and know Jesus the rest of your days. We want to invite you to take that step today. The host can help you with that. I'm actually going to pray a prayer here at the end that you can just pray with me and let the host know that you did that and we will help you get started. We will help you get plugged into this community. If you've not received the gospel, take that step today. And if you've not been baptized to publicly declare that you have received the gospel, we would love to help you with that as well. The second thing you can do is you can stand in the gospel. Paul says that you're the gospel that you're standing in. Sometimes I think we hype up the Christian life too much. Like, man, it's amazing and beautiful and good, and we kind of make it like lollipops, like it's always going to be great, and you never have problems once you follow Jesus. That's not what the Bible teaches. What the Bible teaches is that God is good and faithful and true and loving and just, and that a relationship with Him gives us life and joy and peace, but it does not tell us we won't have problems. You won't always be standing on the top of the mountain. I think sometimes worship music, Christian music... Uh, doesn't doesn't help us that much with this. You turn on Christian radio sometimes, and it's, oh, I'm so happy, and life's so good, you're so good. It's like, man, really? Actually, what the Bible tells us is that we will have trials. If we follow Jesus, life's not going to get easier. It's going to get harder. That that we will have trials that we will suffer because we're followers of Jesus. But what it promises us is that He will walk with us through the fire. Not that we won't have problems, but that He'll be with us in the midst of it. And actually, he'll use those trials. He'll use that fire like a refining furnace to draw out the impurities in our lives so that our faith is tested like gold. That's what the Bible teaches. I can choose. So so some of these songs talk about happiness. We talk about, man, being a Christian makes me so happy. Well, yeah, it does. But emotions go like this. I mean, fear and happiness and anger and sadness those are emotions those are things we feel we can't always control that but joy joy is something i can control i can choose to rejoice i can't choose to be happy that's just something that i feel i can choose to rejoice i can choose to find reasons to bless god and to rejoice in him and to and declare that man because i'm in him i am blessed and today is a good day and today is the day that the lord has made i will rejoice and be glad in it i can choose to stand in that position. Even when my emotions go like this, my soul can go like this. We need to take what Ephesians 6 teaches us seriously. It says, put on the helmet of salvation. Imagine if you woke up and every day when you woke up, you took the first 30 seconds and you just preached the gospel to yourself. What if you said this every morning when you woke up? I'm just going to read it. Jesus, I'm a, I was a sinner in need of saving. Jesus, I know that you are God's son who loved me and died in my place for my sins, that you were buried and three days later you rose from the dead and that you have defeated death and that your enemies are a footstool under your feet and that you are ruling and reigning and that I belong to you today. And I declare today that today is the day that the Lord has made and I will <laughs> rejoice and be glad in it. What if you just started your day like that? I mean, imagine how that changes the trajectory of your day. So before you touch your phone and look at text messages and emails and news, what if you just had that printed or on your, on, in a note or something on your phone where you can just wake up and read that and declare that over yourself? I'm telling you, if you start your day and maintain your day standing in the gospel, it will transform your life. You don't have to be a Bible scholar to wake up and declare those things. You can literally just write that down and declare it every morning and God will bless you as you stand in the gospel. Number three. Be saved by the gospel. Paul says you're being saved. It's, it's a present tense. You're being saved. The word saved means to bring safely. God will finish the good work he began in you. I want you to just rest in that today. That, that you're not perfect. You mess up. You will fail. And God knows that. And he knows that you're a work in progress. But he is working on you. He's the one who began the work. He's the one who's going to finish the work. He's the master carpenter who's building something beautiful with your life and he is the one who's taking responsibility for you so don't get so lost in the grind of this life that you lose sight of your eternal life in Christ God is saving you and he will save you and soon we will all stand before him and we will behold Jesus with an unveiled face and Christ will stand on our behalf and say I have paid for that one with my own blood I just want to stop for a minute and say, never let the wonder of that be lost on you. Like God put on flesh, he became a man, he died in my place for my sins, full stop. Like, man, full stop. I'm going to just think about that and meditate on that. And let that fill my heart and my soul and my mind. Like, you don't, you don't drive by the Grand Canyon and just like, oh, catch it out of the corner of my eye, there it is, unless you live there. You don't drive by the Niagara Falls, it's like, oh yeah, cool, some water. No, no, you stop and you look at it and you observe it, and you notice it, and you kind of cherish it. You try and take some mental photos so you can tell people about what you saw. That's what we need to do with the gospel. And the more we behold Christ, as John the Baptist said, we will live with an awareness of the fact that God has saved us and is saving us and will save us, and it will change the way we approach our life and our day. I want to send you with this. Jesus loves you. He died for you. He rose for you that you might receive him and stand firm in him and be saved by him. And if you haven't received the gospel, I want to invite you to take that step. And if you've been maybe shaky in your faith, I want to invite you to come back to the gospel and let it strengthen you and be a rock that you stand upon. If you've been living in sin, I want to invite you to return to the mercy of Jesus in the gospel. And if you've been maybe depressed or discouraged or defeated by 2020, I want to just invite you to come to the gospel and let it fill you with hope and strength and courage to rejoice over it again. And maybe just these next five minutes as we head into this worship song, I want to encourage you not to tune out, but to engage in this song of worship, to respond to the gospel and receive the gospel and stand in the gospel and know that you're being saved by the gospel. And So just as we close this time, I want to invite those of you who maybe would take that step and say, I mean, I need to receive the gospel today. I want to invite you to close your eyes and bow your head with me wherever you are. And simply repeat after me. Say, God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've messed my life up and I've, I've wandered from you. I've strayed from you. And God, I need you. I need you to save me. Please forgive me of my sins and give me a life with Jesus. I trust in the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. I believe that he rose from the dead and that he is Lord I wanna make him the Lord of my life right now. So God, please forgive me and save me and give me a new life with you. And God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, if you just took that step, God loves you. He's for you. He's cheering you on. All of heaven is rejoicing that you took that step. And we would love to help you get started in your faith. And for the rest of us, I just wanna turn our attention to a time of worship and praise as we rejoice in and stand in and receive the gospel today.